This is Caminantes, where you are invited behind the curtain of the 2021 Caminos Festival and into the creative minds of this year's Caminantes. Think of this podcast as the theater lobby, where people can mingle and talk about the incredible art they're creating. As Latinx people, we just live a different world. Our world is lush, our world is colorful, our world has a vibrancy. What science fiction mean to the refugee child? You know, the peace accords were signed in 92, so it's been a while. So I feel like there's been this process of recovery, I think. And then now art is like sprouting. We had to leave our home at one point, And there were a lot of things that we couldn't take with us, including the pictures of my relatives. So I still have that like broken, the, the Spanglish, which I'm really cool with. I think of friggin' Selena, right? Like, it's just like, whatever, she made it. In this episode, you will hear two conversations. First, we'll hear from Bats Recinos and Heat B. Salazar. Let's get started! Bats Recinos, the art of storytelling, or Taos 2.0. I'm Heat B. Salazar, and my project is called Havoc. Uh, I got shivers when I was reading uh, what it's called. I love the name, by the way, too. But it's, it's just so kind of like my own secret language. The memories these songs are made of get to come back to life. And then how you start off with the chemical transition. So the first question for me is, as you grow older and your chemicals uh, and your chemicals are going to transition yet again, just naturally as well, like through just age, uh, how do you feel that will affect these memories? It's so funny when it comes to like aging. This sounds so bizarre, but I never really planned on it because I started watching the news when I was like 11. And so that was around the time George Bush was in office. There's war happening. There was talk of climate change every single day. And so I very much thought that we were going to reach an apocalypse before I even hit 15. So for my whole life, when people ask me, what's your five-year, 10-year plan? <laughs> I never had answers because a part of me looked at them like, don't you know? Don't you know it's ending? Realizing that those things don't stop and that life has the option of being fun and being good and being unlike I ever imagined it, living as a queer person in the world, I'm really excited to age. And I look at people like Leslie Cam, right, who is the reason why it occurred to me I could get older because they turned to me once and they were like, yeah, I'm a queer elder and I hope one day you get to be too. And I was like, oh my God. And it changed my life. And that like our elders are hot. Like I get to be old and hot. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm excited about it. For your project, when I was reading about it, I was so excited because, you know, sometimes when you read about people's work and you're like, oh, this is like a different side of them. This is, you know, it's almost like getting to like peek in their closet or like dive in their brain. And when I read it, it's so amazing because I know you, but like it felt so you and at the same time so expansive. Having heard you talk about ritual before, um, I know that you've learned many rituals from like different forms of your lineage and I wanted to know when you're creating and when you're working as this disciplinary multidisciplinary artist what are the ways that you develop ritual for yourself and what are the biggest lessons you've learned about yourself through ritual it's a light light question <laughs> uh ooh, this is kind of actually uh come up uh, just very mm. recently, um, my own ritualistic practice, because I've actually noticed and, and uh, acknowledged that I have two traditions that, I'm, uh, that are a part of my being. Uh, 
El Maya, which has strict protocol and, you know, I'm dedicated, it is a part of my being and it is what it is, but uh, something that has been really hard for me to accept because of fear uh, and because of uh, persecution, it is the Maya tradition with aspects of what most folks would call Wicca now, right? And I've been I've been truly trying to like figure out what that is for me because I'm still I was ro- I was raised Roman Catholic, right? I was I in our society like just last year a knowledge keeper from uh, from uh, Guatemala was burned in the streets and, and burnt alive, right? As a witch, that could have been me. I as a person, I'm super private about things like my love life, things like my romantic life, my sex life, that kind of thing. Because very early on in my career, when I started when I started doing what I do, like working across gender uh, and bringing those conversations up in rooms, it was about, it was 2013 when I started my career. And so the conversations around transness publicly were very different. And I very quickly had to be very public about things that trans people would normally get the option of being very private about. And so I realized that I had to begin to actively choose and be very diligent about what I was public about and what I was private about as a person overall. Because as artists, especially we get asked to really put our personal out there in a way that I always, I don't always think is fair. And so I decided early on, like, I'm not going to talk publicly about my relationships ever, about my love life. And so there's like certain things that I never touch on. And the only place I ever touch on them is in my poetry. It was really funny because then one of my instructors read my work and was like, wow, I love it. And she said that it was surrealist. She was like, oh, you're a surrealist poet. And I'd never heard that before. And so it sounded like a very university term. And I was like, wow, I'm a surrealist poet. And then within 24 hours, I was like, I don't even know what that means. I don't understand. And so I looked it up and it was like, yeah, it's like hyper-realism, whatever, magical realism. And all of me got so mad because I viscerally knew that I was like, it's not surreal though, it's so literal. And it turns out many Latinx writers get categorized as surrealist writers and as magical realism within their writing. And there was quotes from both Frida and Gabriel Garcia Marquez saying how against they were being titled as surrealist writers because they explained as Latinx people, we just live a different world. Our world is lush, our world is colorful, our world has a vibrancy. And they were very adamant that just because our world has those things does not mean that it's surreal because it's very much real. Like this is a secret language that we're passing to each other. And with songwriting, I've realized in some areas I have to be more literal than I normally am in my poetry. And so it almost is like a new language as well to even have that vulnerability. Like sometimes I'm like, I don't want to write it. But then my brain is like, you know, that's the sentence has to go in. I know when I hear trans masculine singers, and trans feminine singers, there's like my brain, my serotonin just like goes like whoosh, and it spikes because there's something in me that is like, I know this, I know this thing. And it's like, there's no way to describe it, but it is this feeling that my whole body gets. And so I was like, that's part of the language too, is that another trans person can hear it. They can hate the song, but they'll know the feeling. And so that part's really, really fun. I really like it. 
You're okay. I was reading your description. You're also playing with language because you're speaking three languages for yours. What's it like in terms of working in different languages with people who may speak all or none of them? Kind of ties into to uh, your response as well, actually, because um, just hearing you speak about about that, and we're we're now we're talking about like for me the inner like uh, the chemicals, the inside, right? The that blood memory, that all of that, right? And I just have to say, I, I resonate so much. I hate magical realism. I grew oh up like God. that too. I found out that Spanish definitely was my first language, but I was ashamed of it. I like, so I, like I, as a, as a kid, I stopped. And so I still have that like broken, the, the Spanglish, which I'm really cool with. I think of friggin' Selena, right? Like, it's just like, whatever, she made it. Uh, but it's like with, with the quiche cachiquel. So I was adopted into the cachiquel family and, I, and I, I've been told I, I just need to like, there's subtle differences, but I just need to like ma master that. And I do use that in ceremony. Uh, the quiche, I'm very fortunate to have uh, actually uh, a few folks here now in in uh, in Toronto. Tata Bartolo, which uh, some of you know, uh, is a 86 year old elder who is a dear friend. He's like my he is my adopted grandfather, and uh, he's constantly like on me with with quiche. I have a friend. Uh, who I met, uh, she's uh, through Tata. Uh, she's now living in Mississauga, but she's uh, a Maya Kiche as well. And uh, uh, she's also a nun and we've been we've been starting to practice more. Um, and she's a native uh, Kiche speaker. And then a dear friend that I met in Guatemala, uh, he's now the professor of linguistics at U of T. Uh, it's teaching uh, indigenous um, revitalization for languages. He's working with different nations here. I just bounce the stuff off of them, you know? I, I guess I have to really just dedicate myself to uh, to just putting in the time to get it into my body. Um, I have a lot of, the way I work as a, as, as just as a creator, I just need to, me like memorization comes easy, but it's getting it into the body. And I really just need to take the time to, to do that. And then when I go back to Central America, like I'm just, yeah, you pick things up, right? I feel privileged as a performer, though, that I'm able to understand my body and my vessel enough that I can, I can, I know how it, I know how it works. That was Heath V. Salazar and Butts. Next, we'll hear from the creators of Muñeca, Sinvergüencia in First Kiss, and La Mujer Fragmentada. My name is Maria Escolan, and my show is La Mujer Fragmentada. My name is Jessica Cepeda, and uh, it's a short film called Sinvergüencia in First Kiss. My name is Araceli Reyes, and my show is called Muñeca. Okay, so to break the ice, you're all first and second generation Salvadorians. That is beautiful, unique, and amazing. Uh, as such, what role do you feel Salvadorian culture plays in your creative work? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like being a part of the diaspora is, you know, complicated. Um, but I've been recently kind of thinking of reimagining like what science fiction even is for me. So I'm thinking, you know, like what science fiction mean to the refugee child that doesn't have parents that understand the art world and a new city that they're in um, and a child reimagining themselves um, as an artist from, you know, a working class family that could 
one could, you know, define that as sci-fi um, because it seems so unreachable. I'm always kind of reflecting on uh, my story, my parents' story, and and my responsibility even, and and how to bring that into my art. So I'm not very good at it, but yeah. So uh, I guess uh, I'm very disconnected from my El Salvador culture as well. Um, but the one thing that I've been holding on to, and you'll see it in the play, is um, the tradition of Dia de los Muertos. I know in popular culture, people look at uh, Mexico specifically, but it is celebrated in other countries, including El Salvador. So what my character and what I have been doing is um, both of us, we had to leave our home at one point, And there were a lot of things that we couldn't take with us, including the pictures of my relatives. So what I'm trying to do now is uh, create dolls and the images of them to recreate my ofrenda. And I'm trying to do research and, um, and figure it out. Um, when I look at my parents' journey, they too literally left everything to come to Canada and to their new home. I'm not saying that what I went through was in any ways um, like them, I, but I can understand, I can kind of relate in that aspect of having to leave behind this big part of you, which is your culture and your heritage, and to try to, I guess, assimilate and come into a new home. Um, how do you get used to like all this newness, but still hold on to something? Um, in many ways, the three of us have gone through this rebirth, which is also something that I'm exploring in my show. Um, for me, it's a it's a really big question, and it's because it's just so much. So for me, like my Salvadoran. Um, culture is so much a part like at, at the core of me and my art there's the land like that's kind of one of the first places I go like the actual land of El Salvador so what is it to create in the diaspora um, so I'm very interested in also going to El Salvador and uh, creating there and meeting artists there and because there's a lot of art that's happening right now which is really really exciting like it's kind of emerge like it's really emerging there hadn't been as much art for a long time I think as a result of the civil war and of course the 48 years of dictated dictator, military dictatorship before that so I feel like oh it take as a you know as an individual it takes time to recover from those kinds of experiences and as a collective it takes time as well. You know, the peace accords were signed in 92. So it's been a while. So I feel like there's been this process of recovery, I think. And then now art is like sprouting. Land is one, language is another. So that's really big for me for my practice. So I really, I think my practice will always be bilingual. So La Mujer Fragmentada definitely is. And I think I will continue to work in a, in a bilingual way, but also it, it like also there's a resurgence of Nahuatl in El Salvador. So which is the only language, the only indigenous language that's currently spoken. But there are also so many other indigenous languages that were spoken on the land. But but because there's a resurgence of Nahuatl, it's all it's like actually multilingual work that I will probably be engaging in. Because last year I had the opportunity to take a Nahuatl course uh, online that the Ministry of Education in El Salvador was offering. And because of the pandemic, really, it's because of the pandemic that I was able to participate. I'm just getting curious now about the actual form, uh, because I was, that was my question to both of you. Like, what is your form? What is your genre? And then I was curious about your process, but I think those might be 
too much. So any of those, I'm curious about that. My practice, like I'm a theater performer myself. So like, that's like what I went to school for, but like, I, uh, kind of feel like performance artist is like better. A few years ago, I just started like kind of painting myself green for no reason. Well, no, actually there was a reason. It was just more of this idea of people being like, oh, like I don't see color. I don't really, it doesn't matter if you're black, brown, blue, or green. So I started experimenting and I was like, well, let me paint myself green to really take it to the extreme and see like, you know, when you see a green person, you obviously have questions about who are they and where are they from and why, um, which is exactly what happens to me. I just kind of did it um, just willy nilly. Um, and then I started doing it like, I don't know, for performances. I don't know. That's kind of where Sinvergüenza stemmed from. Uh, Sinvergüenza, obviously, as I'm sure we've been called many times. I've been called many times by my mom. So I was like, yeah, I am Sinvergüenza. I am shameless. Uh, and then I just was like, I am like, you know, like Godzilla. Like I wanted to be like terrifying. Um, so it was kind of where the name spun from. And I've always been multidisciplinary. So I have the theater side, but I'm also trained as a visual artist. Um, so a lot of the visual stuff, that's all me. Um, my partner is doing all the editing and the technical stuff because I am not a blogger. I don't know what that entails. So he's doing my editing, um, which I'm grateful for. Um, but yeah, but I write my stuff. When I can direct, I've directed stuff as well. So that's kind of just my background and how I ended up here. I don't know how I really got here. I just, you know, I volunteered a lot for a lot of different people and just was like, I don't know, I'm curious and put myself out there. I don't know. Like I just kind of, you know, but also st stuck with what I believed in as well. Still, like I was always like, what if I just fund my own project with the money that I make and don't apply for grants? So I don't need to listen or ad ad like adhere to their requirements of whatever this their grant checklist I don't have a crazy amount of like a body of work but I think I can say it's honestly mine and that is probably the greatest accomplishment my resume is you know full of my own stuff that my for other people might not necessarily know but I know that work that put went into it you know I haven't met other Salvadoran theater uh, related uh, artists um, in Canada and so like here in Caminos, I'm so excited to be meeting other um, theater performer, just artists. For me, I came to it really late. Like it, it so I did like, it, I came to it as a second degree. Like, so I did like gender studies like 15 years ago. And then um, five years ago, I started um, my training in theater and I graduated last year. So now it's like, it's like a really new practice for me that I'm coming to later in my life, which is I think is interesting and different. Um, Sorry, I want to quickly jump in. I'm excited too. Um, I, I was thinking it again, I was talking to my partner and I'm like, I'm a little intimidated because reading your guys, um, your uh, bios and stuff, you're both, I feel like you both know so much about El Salvador and uh, I guess more of the uh, historical and cultural stuff. At least it seems that it seemed that way. So I was a little intimidated and I'm like, oh my God, am I so whitewashed? Oh my God. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> that is, I mean, I guess we're all kind of uh, a little whitewashed to some extent, but it's as long as we're doing the work to try to like, you know, remember, I think that's important. Uh, and yeah, like I, I, I intentionally uh, do that with my bio, try to 
be like Cuscatan, like, and I could be even wrong. Who knows? There might be information in a year from now that I'm like, damn, it's actually this territory. And then that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm willing to be wrong, but I, I'm all, because I think it's okay to try to remember. And that's the important thing we're trying to do um, is reconnect. Absolutely. So, yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. 100%. And that was Araceli Reyes, Jessica Zepeda, and Maria Escolan. All of these artists are bringing their new works, which are still in development, to the Caminos Multi-Arts Festival. This year, Caminos is presenting the art of 32 different groups, both live and online, from October 12th through the 24th. Go to caminos.ca for more on how to see this show and to support this artist. Gracias a Venius Guerra and New Tradition Music for the theme song. We are speaking to you from the shores of this beautiful Zaga Igan, known to some as Lake Ontario, in Toronto, or Dugarondo. This is the ancestral territory of the Haudenosaunee, or Longhouse Confederacy, the Anishinaabeg Nation, the Wendat, and the Mississaugas of the Credit. This land is covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum and Treaty 13, also known as the Toronto Purchase. Araluna. We remember that people can begin to heal when they are hurt. We are committed to artful participation in disagreements. We are committed to unsettling ourselves towards connection, respect, and justice for all people who now live in this city, which has been a meeting place since time immemorial. Radio Aluna Teatro is produced by Aluna Theatre, with support from the Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Department of Canadian Heritage, and TD Bank. Aluna Theater is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Shellness with Sue Ballant. Radio Aluna Theater is produced by Monica Garrido and Camila Diaz Varela. For more about Aluna Theater, visit us at alunatheater.ca, follow at Aluna Theater on Twitter or Instagram, or like us on Facebook. Miigwech and Nyawangoa.